This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, we're back. Come on in. It's the Black and Blue Report podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from the Smoothie King Center. Yep, we were in San Antonio yesterday. We're back home today. The Pelicans are on the air tonight. Uh, We have plenty of coverage of Pelicans and Lakers coming your way later on this evening on the Pelicans radio network. And, of course, there'll be national coverage through TNT this evening as well. We're very excited and uh, getting our last taste of uh, Mardi Gras here with you all on this Thursday before the team heads back out for a weekend road trip. Uh, last night certainly didn't go very well. Obviously, the San Antonio Spurs beat the Pelicans and did so with a uh, uh, kind of a resounding fourth quarter, thanks to LaMarcus Aldridge. And now the Spurs are 41-8 and and 27-0 and at home. The Pelicans, meanwhile, have lost two this week to two very good teams. But they're looking to turn things around back on the uh, home floor tonight with the Mardi Gras uniforms on, and they'll welcome in Kobe Bryant. And that circus this evening. We're going to talk with John Ireland today, the radio voice of the Los Angeles Lakers. He'll tell us about the Kobe farewell tour, and he'll also help us preview tonight's matchup, and a very important one for New Orleans, to say the least, before they head off to Cleveland and Minnesota over the uh, Mardi Gras weekend. Super Bowl 50 is now oh so close, and uh, folks are gathering in San Francisco in droves now for Sunday's big game. One of the folks traveling today out there and getting himself ready for his role on the broadcast side on Sunday is Ian Eagle from the NFL on CBS. One of our favorite guests spends a generous amount of time with us today to uh, share some of his favorite storylines about this weekend's big game and also give us some perspective about where things stand in the NFL at this juncture as we uh, are about to have Super Bowl 50 come across our timeline. So a great show for you here on this Thursday. We're certainly excited about it. Before we get out of here, we'll run down tonight's uh, broadcast schedule for you and give you a reminder about a bit of a later start time at the Smoothie King Center as well. So with two great guests, I want to get out of the way and focus on them here. After our timeout, we'll start it up with Ian Eagle, the NFL on CBS. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling, trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. Create fun and affordable memories for the entire family with the Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. Pelican! 
The next Pierre's Party Pack Night is on Saturday, February 27th against the Minnesota Timberwolves. For more information and to plan your next night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. We call it No Appointment Radio. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. All right, welcome back to the show here. We are getting so close now to Super Bowl 50. I think that everybody is uh, ready for the game itself. That's certainly the case probably for our next guest. He's been with us before. He's one of our favorites, and that's Ian Eagle from the NFL on CBS. He'll be out in San Francisco later today and then throughout the weekend for a part of, uh, I'm sure, what is an extensive uh, body of work that CBS will present to us for Super Bowl 50 this weekend. Ian Eagle is with us, and I and I hope that you've got your notebook ready. You probably have plenty of uh, content and hours of broadcast time to fill this weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, that kind of comes with the territory, Sean. There's no doubt about it. This uh, Super Bowl 50 is a historic one, and there's been a countdown for a long time for CBS when it all worked out logistically that CBS would have this Super Bowl. I think everybody at the company was just excited to be a part of it. And now you put these two teams in the mix, all the storylines attached to it, the narratives. Uh, there's no shortage of, of drama pregame, how it plays out in the actual game. That remains to be seen, but uh, certainly the buildup and the hype uh, is, has been at a fevered pitch, and I think we're all ready for, for this thing to kick off. Ian, there are some obvious storylines for sure, um, but in the pile of them, uh, is there a favorite that you've come across here heading into the weekend? Well, I mean, the thing that struck me just on a personal level, because I had the Broncos quite a bit this season, and to see the roller coaster ride that this franchise went through, they got off to such a positive start record-wise, but nobody really believed in them because Peyton Manning wasn't playing at a high level. So their undefeated start was a bit hollow, and you sensed that there was a change in the offing and it was just a matter of time that Brock Osweiler would get an opportunity to play quarterback, whether it was based on injury, whether it was based on performance. Peyton Manning was going to have to sit at some point. The mystery surrounding it was we didn't really know what exactly was going on. Yeah, the plantar fasciitis, of course, the neck injury has, has always had an effect on Peyton. But the Broncos kept things so tight and Looking back on it, I guess they handled it the right way. I mean, it doesn't matter what the media needs to know. It matters what the team wants to reveal. And ultimately, they felt that they needed to handle it the way that they did to get Brock Osweiler out there and comfortable. But then for this thing to come back and swing the other way, and we're at the Super Bowl talking about Peyton Manning maybe riding off into the sunset with a victory, that's... That's a pretty big upset, considering the way everything went this season. I personally thought Peyton Manning was done. I didn't think we were going to see him throw another pass in the NFL. Osweiler was winning games. There was a general sense behind the scenes that they believed in Brock. The players did. The coaching staff felt that he fit the offense. And if it isn't broke, don't fix it. That was the mentality. But here we are, and one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history can write an incredible ending here, and an unlikely one if Denver gets the win. That, to me, is still the main storyline of this game, and obviously the Cam Newton explosion, the dynamic player that he has become. Not just little glimpses of it, 
the sustained excellence that we've seen from him this season that has put him in another class and raised his stock and level. And the fact that he really can be the face of the NFL. We always wonder when players, great players, are getting older and are considering retirement, will there be players that can supplant them and fill those roles? And you think, well, who are these guys? You try to zero in on who they are. Uh, Cam Newton is one of them. We always felt he had the talent. Now the confidence and the belief and the resolve, it's been a perfect storm for him this season with this Carolina team. Isn't it interesting, Ian, that in a storyline like Peyton Manning's, it would seem to be kind of this smooth ride off into the sunset, and and you're describing it as a roller coaster ride. And here this weekend, if it doesn't go Peyton's way, it's almost as if this new being has is, is, has jumped into the story and not is not is not ready to have the torch gently passed to him, but he seems almost ready to rip the robe off the king in one fell swoop. It, it seems awfully drastic, doesn't it? It does, and it feels that way. And I think the general consensus uh, during the two-week buildup has been that that's the way it's going to go. Now, we don't know. That's why you play the game. This is a big stage. Panthers are going through it. Uh, we understand that they've pushed all the right buttons. Ron Rivera has done a masterful job with this team. Uh, Mike Shula running the offense. It just seems that him and Ken Dorsey, quarterback coach, have been the perfect fit for Cam Newton and for what they're trying to do. They've got the whole package. They've got the running game. They've found receivers, although – this is not a big-name group. When Kelvin Benjamin went down with the injury, a lot of us around the NFL felt that Carolina was going to struggle this year, that they would take a step back based on the fact that they just didn't have the horses in the passing game. Greg Olson is exceptional, and they've gotten enough from Brown and Ginn and Funches and Cotchery. They've gotten enough, and Cam, I think, has raised the level of his receivers. And ironically, what did we say for many years about Peyton Manning? He didn't always have the best supporting cast, but he found a way and he raised the level and uh, he recognized that he had to do more because he wasn't playing with some great defenses through the years. Uh, What you described is certainly a storyline that can play out. And I would not be shocked by it. If that's the way it goes, and Peyton Manning ends his career, and it ends on a sour note based on the fact that Carolina just had this feeling of destiny, this fate uh, that I don't necessarily subscribe to, but I do think you can sense it at times. And, you know, even in baseball this year with the Kansas City Royals, you could feel it. It, it, was, it was developing over the course of the season. Uh, they had come up short in their previous run to a championship, and this team felt like it was the one that was going to get it done. And with Carolina, I'm not sure people, even at the three-quarter mark of this season, fully believed Arizona was still getting most of the headlines in the NFC. Seattle was playing better, so people just assumed, well, you got the Seahawks. Carolina wants no part of them. Even Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and his magic, uh, you thought, hey, the Packers could go on an extended run. Everybody was trying to figure out who it would be that would clip the Carolina Panthers. They finished 15-1. and They got better in their two playoff games. And they're the kind of team, I'm sure, that would have rather just played this thing one week after the NFC Championship. The way they've been rolling and the wave they've been riding, uh, the last thing that they wanted was to wait two weeks. Uh, I'm sure they just wanted to play this thing right away. But you follow the rules. 
and that's the setup, that's the schedule. Uh, I'm not sure that it's it's going to affect the way that Carolina approaches things. Interesting. Ian Eagle with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Ian, as huge as the storyline is regarding the quarterbacks, how does the storyline surrounding both of these two teams' defenses compare to the initial storyline we've spoken of? Well, Denver defensively has a Super Bowl unit. Uh, to me, that's the irony for Peyton Manning in a year where he just doesn't have the prolific numbers and can't sling it the way that he used to. It may be the first time that he's ever had a defense worthy of actually winning a championship. So many years with those Indianapolis squads, he knew he just had to outscore the opposition. It was that simple. It wasn't an option uh, to just rely on the defense. And even though Tony Dungy was there and Dungy's background was defense, they won with offense. They won because of Peyton Manning. Defensively, this Denver team is exceptional. The problems that they face compared to what we saw in the AFC Championship game is against New England, because of that mishmash of an offensive line, they could rush three, they could rush four, they could get to Tom Brady. They limited his time to throw the football. He looked pedestrian, which is something that is hard to do, make Tom Brady look average or less than average. They did it. And they didn't have to do it with exotic schemes. They did it just based on the fact that they had so much talent up front. Between Miller and Wolf, where they generated a pass rush. I don't think they can do that against Carolina. The offensive line was excellent this year, and the fact that Cam Newton is such a dual threat, just sending three or four his way is not going to cut it. He'll find open lanes. He'll do it himself. Uh, he'll he'll take matters into his own hands. So the strength of Denver, and I give Wade Phillips a great deal of credit. Uh, he has handled this defense so well. He turned out to be the perfect hire. The relationship that he had with Gary Kubiak went a long way. The fact that he never burned bridges in Denver also went a long way. And the fact that uh, he's been an excellent defensive coordinator for a long, long time in this league. And I think his style has fit well with the personality of this defense. For Carolina, I don't think they have the big names necessarily that Denver has. They've got some of them. Josh Norman is among the best, if not the best, cover corner, press corner in the NFL. His confidence, uh, one that he's very happy to share week in and week out, it reveals itself on the field. Uh, they're defensive line may not have the big names, but they've been very effective. But then they've got a big name in Luke Keekley, who uh, continues every week to be productive, sideline to sideline. Uh, you know, we talked about Ray Lewis on an elite level. Uh, Keekley is, is getting there. Uh, he's, he's getting to that place where uh, you can't stop him. He has a nose for the football. He's dynamic. And he's doing it every week. Uh, this is uh, a guy that I think the defense just believes in to lead them, and they follow his lead. So uh, the Carolina defense can hold its own. You know, it may not have the prolific numbers of of Denver, but it's right up there. It's number six overall in team defense, and they're very opportunistic, as we've seen in their two playoff games. Ian, in the unlikely event that the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP is not named Cam Newton or Peyton Manning, 
who in your eyes would be a player that we might be talking about in that sense at the end of the game on Sunday? You know, the only guy that could have a big role, and it would be outside of a Cam Newton or a Peyton Manning, would have to be someone like a Ted Ginn. Now, you realize the parameters for Ginn are so wide, he could play an instrumental role in winning the game. He could actually play an instrumental role in losing the game because of drops and because he is so heavily involved in the return game. Uh, He's someone that could easily have a kickoff return for a touchdown and change the course of the game and then catch a couple of touchdowns from Cam Newton. But the odds are, if he has big numbers offensively, that means Cam Newton has big numbers offensively. And uh, that means that Cam Newton will win the MVP award. And the same would be true on the Denver side of the ball. Look, you could have one of those games where an Aqib Tlaib comes up with two interceptions, one for a touchdown, the game-winning touchdown, and all of a sudden he's the uh, Super Bowl MVP. So it could be someone on the defense for Denver. That would be my pick, to leave on the Denver side if it's not Manning and then Ginn on the Carolina side if it's not Cam Newton. Ooh, insightful. Okay. Hey, before I let you go, do you mind if I get deep on one question with you here? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, you you mentioned the historic note that we have this weekend, and this being Super Bowl 50. Um, I can't help but wonder here in the last couple of days with regard to the the news that we hear about player safety and, 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 and the, the players that have moved on and are now dealing with adversity in their lives. I can't help but wonder, Ian, if, if we have another 50 Super Bowls ahead of us. Um, is it too deep or too heavy to weigh in on that, or have you given that any thought yourself? Yeah, you know, it's funny. When you're in the season and you're locked in and you know because of your prep work for for all the stuff that you do uh, you really just immerse yourself in the teams that you're covering and the games that you're assigned and you often don't let your mind wander to those larger issues Uh, but uh, i think you're right Uh, we've gotten to a point now where player safety is such a topic that you can't ignore it Uh, the the results are clear. Uh, there are many players that retire from the game, and their lives are altered immensely. And I know it's something the league would like to grab a hold of. Uh, I don't think they're in a position now to bury it or deny it. Uh, they've realized that this is real, and they've got to deal with it. I wish I had a solution. I wish I had something in my mind that said, hey, this is how you do it. This is how we solve this problem. This is a violent sport, and for many, many people, it's a a ticket to something greater and bigger, and it's their way of having an impact on this world because they're, they're so athletically gifted. So I think there's always going to be young athletes that are interested in this sport. I do think there will be parents that now funnel their kids maybe to some other sports and you could lose out on some incredible players that decide maybe not even their decision but those of their their caregivers that hey i'm not doing it it's not going to happen you're not going to play and i forbid it and that that now is a part of this equation more so than ever before i don't think football was losing a lot of those blue chippers I think now they might, and you might have a player that says, all right, I'm, I'm going to play lacrosse instead. 
I'll get a college scholarship, and I'll uh, have my life go in a different direction, and maybe I'll never fulfill the dream of playing in the biggest league in in the country, but I know that my health will have a better chance of maintaining itself for the rest of my life so that I can enjoy all the things that everybody else enjoys. Uh, John, I, I wish there was this direct answer that we could just zero in on and say, hey, this is how you do it, but um, it, it's going to take years and years to uh, figure out the best way to protect these players and teaching proper tackling techniques, making sure the equipment is at the level in which uh, we are doing everything within our power uh, to do what's best for the people participating in this sport. Leave it to me to end us on a down note there, huh? <laughs> That's right. No, no we've got to end it on some other note. There has to be some other aside. All right, some other aside. Um, perhaps when we look at what CBS will pour into this weekend's coverage, uh, are you in any way blown away by the amount of attention and resources that are placed into such a game for this weekend? Yeah, it is mind-blowing. And, look, I... I've been doing this a long time now. I've been working at CBS for 18 years, and I've worked on big events before, but nothing of this magnitude, and they have every resource available to them dedicated to this game. The game coverage, the pregame coverage, the postgame coverage, the shoulder programming surrounding it, uh, it's, it's a big moment for the network. Certainly the relationship between... CBS and the NFL has a lot of history behind it, but I think there's also pride that comes into it. Look, this probably is going to be the most watched television event in history. That's just the way it is with the Super Bowl. Every year it tops it. The general interest level rises based on so many other aspects of this, not just the football aspect, but people gathering and, of course, the gambling aspect the commercials, all of it. You blend it together, and it is an extravaganza. And you know, For me to be a part of it on a personal level is, is very flattering. And then, as you just alluded to, to kind of pull yourself away and, and think about how many people are working on this. And for guys that have been in this business, that work in television, work in radio, you know that these things don't happen with one person. It's collaborative. So, you know, it's always great to see the team come together and and put their best foot forward. I, I think that part of it you don't have to worry about. It's going to be an exceptional broadcast. The coverage will will be outstanding. And now you just hope that the game lives up to it. Yep, no doubt about that. I think that all of us are looking forward to a game that we'll be watching all the way to the very end. My friend, you are so generous with your time as always. We're very appreciative. And congratulations on another fine season of work and on your assignment this weekend. Thanks, Bud. Always great talking to you. I look forward to seeing you a little bit later on this season for the rematch, the Nets and the Pelicans. Yes, part de, as they say. Part de, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Iron Eagle, there he goes. NFL on CBS will be a part of the CBS Super Bowl 50 extravaganza this weekend out on the West Coast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back soon enough. Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. 
tri-level billing, so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. You owe it to yourself and your home to call Terminex. I'm Vincent Palumbo. Whether you need a lifetime termite damage guarantee or hassle-free pest control service, we do it all. And I'm Ed Martin, Terminex entomologist. We have developed a convenient pest control system where we're scheduled in your home only twice a year. We attack bugs outside where they live. Call 834-7330 for guaranteed control of any pests or termites. Terminix does it all. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Lakers are in town, and the Lakers and Pelicans will renew acquaintances tonight at the Smoothie King Center. It's the first of two appearances for Los Angeles here in New Orleans this season. We won't see them again until their last road trip of the year, so let's enjoy this Thursday night visit, albeit with a um, tremendously late tip-off tonight at the Smoothie King Center. Uh, but bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to call the game on the Lakers side will be John Ireland, who is kind enough to join us today on the Black and Blue Report. John, welcome back to New Orleans. Sean, thank you. And, and you're being modest. Of, of the two of us, I got into New Orleans last night at about, I don't know, 7, 8 o'clock. You, I would imagine, arrived pretty late after, you know, it's one of those weird games where we're the road team, but you're you're actually going to be the team more traveled. I don't know, that, that's one of those quirks of the NBA schedule where, You'll be on a second night of a back-to-back, and and uh, and we'll be, I would think, somewhat fresh. But then again, I, uh, right outside our hotel, as soon as we got here, the Mardi Gras parade started, and I thought, huh, our guys aren't dumb enough to go outside and be part of that Mardi Gras parade. And then I thought, well, they're also 22-year-old millionaire NBA basketball players, so I suppose anything was possible. Anything is, and welcome to our home field advantage, that is Mardi Gras. We've staged this just to have a special edge over the Lakers tonight. It's kind of a little bit of an overboard thing, but we, we try to do everything we can to give the Pelicans a chance, you know? Yeah, well, I, I actually love it here. I almost feel like I'm conditioned. My, my first job in television um, when I started my career, which was many, many years ago, was in Monroe, Louisiana, up north. And it was so boring up in Monroe that we used to come down here pretty much every weekend. So I feel I know where the landmines are, Sean. I behaved. I went to NOLA. I, I had a good dinner, and I was back in my room by midnight. So I think that's a win for me. Well done. That's a veteran move on your part. Congratulations on that. <laughs> and uh, congratulations, John, on a nice win the other night for the Lakers. They snapped their losing streak, and Kobe Bryant turns back the clock and scores 38 points. So at least you're riding into town with a, a modicum of momentum for tonight's matchup. Well, and, and Sean, had we lost that game, it would have been our 11th straight loss, which would have set a new franchise record. Uh, this doesn't mean much, but it's interesting. The Lakers are the only team in the NBA who has never had a losing streak of more than 10 games. 
in their entire history. So, you know, that was, that would have broke the record. It, it, you know, people were starting to get chippy about Byron Scott, who I know you guys know well. And, 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 you know, we really, I, Sean, you and I have talked about this off the air. You know, you can obviously question any coach's moves and whether or not he's doing the right thing, but Byron's a great guy. And, you know, so those of us who know him are, are pulling for him to kind of get this thing right. And, and I think had we lost that game, it would have put this road trip right in the spotlight of how many in a row are we going to lose because we've had a really bad team. So not only to have Kobe kind of turn back the clock, but to snap that losing streak gives us kind of uh, – there's a little more spring in the step of our players coming in tonight. I, I don't necessarily think that that ends up as a – is a huge advantage. I think you guys will be favored tonight and the way Anthony Davis playing, I, you know, it's going to be a big, a tall order for us, but, but we, we would have come in here with some pretty slumped shoulders had we lost that soda game. Stay with Byron Scott here for a moment. Um, Byron's obviously is no stranger to reclamation projects. He did it in New Jersey and had success. He did it here in New Orleans and had success. And now he's going through it in Los Angeles. How is Byron handling a 10 win season at this point? Well, the, it, to be totally honest, Sean, as you know, I do a radio show every day on the flagship station where we do the games. And I, I have, as, as objectively as I could, tried to explain that you know, this roster that we have is, is just not a championship roster. It's not, you tell on day one that this was not going to be a team that contends for a title. And uh, people in Los Angeles, especially Laker fans, are only used to that. So he has taken a tidal wave of criticism that continues to get bigger because I think a lot of our fans just expect more. But, Sean, the truth of the matter is we don't have the type of players who can compete in an absolutely loaded Western Conference. I mean, look at you guys. You guys have a really good roster. A lot of people thought you were the team that was going to jump up this year. You get hit with a couple of early injuries, and all of a sudden, you're not necessarily a playoff lock. And, and so, but uh, so everybody seems to take this out on Byron. He, he tends to be scapegoated. My argument has been look, he had a young Jason kid in New Jersey. When he got there, they had a terrible team. A few years later, they were in the finals. He had a young Chris Paul in New Orleans. His team got displaced by a hurricane. And a couple of years later, he won 54 games. Um, you know, he's got experience doing this. He's been through it. He, he, he had a young Kyrie Irving, and how's Kyrie turned out? So now he has a young D'Angelo Russell, and everybody wants to tell him how to do it. Uh, so to answer your question, I think he's in the fire. I think the fans are very down on him. But the organization is, is giving him time, and he's going to get the rest of the season no matter what. And my feeling personally is uh, he has a chance to stay next season, depending on if we're able to land any free agents or how much we're able to change the roster after this year. Yeah, good points. Look, uh, the last time these teams met, it was a fourth-quarter deficit that Lakers faced. They outscored the Pelicans in the fourth and go on to win the game. It's 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 one of the better moments you've had in the last 30 days. Um what was uh, unique about that comeback in that game that you think might translate to tonight's meeting between the Lakers and the Pelicans? In a strange way, Sean, I almost think you have to throw out. Anthony Davis did not play in that game. Kobe only played 16 minutes. 
And, and so your team without AD and our team without Kobe are really two completely different teams. Um, I, I think that when you look at, at at that night, if I remember correctly, it was uh, the 9th or 10th of December, it, or within December or January, I can't remember, the, the games are all running together. Um, yeah. It, it it was a um, it was a night where the, the, you know you kind of walked into the building and it was huh n- you know we didn't know Kobe was going to play no Anthony Davis it, it was almost kind of like and if you go into a play and seeing all the understudies um, what I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to tonight is the fact that not only is Anthony Davis playing but Kobe is coming off of what Sean nobody saw that game coming two nights ago against Minnesota. And I mean nobody. It was like I compared it to what it must have felt like when Jack Nicholas came out of nowhere that one year and won the Masters and just started playing like he used to play 20 years before that. I mean, Shiny mm-hmm. made seven of 11 threes. Seven of 11 threes. His threes this year have been air balls and missing the rim. These were all swishes. I mean, when it, when it got to the end of the game, they couldn't check him, and he went to the foul line you know, seven or eight times in, in a one-point game. Uh, this was old Kobe, and uh, we don't know how long it'll last. Maybe it was only a one-night thing, but if he's found something and he can put it on display tonight, it'll be a very fun game for you to call and for your fans to watch. And, and uh, you know, one of my fondest memories was the Lakers were the first team back in, into New Orleans after Katrina. You know, they, they moved the team to Oklahoma City. They came back to New Orleans in the first game where they actually opened up what, what is now your building. It was a different name at that time. And, and, and Kobe went in there and put on a real show, and, and the Lakers were able to win that game barely. Um, I'm just hoping that, that the fans get that tonight, that Anthony Davis plays and he's healthy and that Kobe's still feeling good, and we could have a, a really good game that would be nothing like the one that we saw in Los Angeles that the Lakers won. Very- very good points. Very good points. Uh, let's talk about the Kobe Bryant farewell tour here just for a moment, John. And I'm sure you're somewhat tired of speaking of this, but surely tonight there'll be plenty of people in the building wanting to catch Kobe Bryant in the flesh here for the final time, and the same thing will happen on April the 8th. Um, could, would you mind sharing a story or, or two about what this has been like sitting in basically the front row of the Kobe Bryant farewell tour and how that's struck you here uh, so far through the season? The strangest thing about it is that, and you, you've called enough of our game, Sean, when you know this, when Kobe has been introduced in the previous 19 seasons, uh, as soon as the public address announcer announces his name, a cavalcade of boos. Uh, in some of the cities where he's, he's really killed them, cities like Boston and San Antonio, he gets booed every time he touches the ball. This year, it's been completely the opposite. He'll get, you'll, you'll see it tonight. He'll get cheered loudly as soon as he gets announced. And every time he gets the ball, there's this palpable buzz that comes over a building. That, you know, he'll get the ball, he'll start dribbling left. It does, Sean, what's funny about it is it doesn't even matter if he makes the shot. If he dribbles left, you know he's going to shoot it and it doesn't go in. It's, it's like, uh, you know, watching somebody, uh, on a golf course, like make a long putt, and there's this big, ooh, oh, just missed. You know, it, it's, it's been really weird in a good way. And um, mm-hmm. this, like, as you alluded to, this won't be the last time he plays 
in New Orleans. But on this trip, this is the first game of a four-game trip, uh, we go to San Antonio and play there Saturday night. It'll be his last time ever there. Then we go to Indiana, which you know is basketball heaven in the United States. It'll be his last time there. And then Tuesday we go to Cleveland, and it'll be his last time there. So three out of the four stops on this trip, tonight's the exception, it'll be the very last time he ever sets foot in those buildings as a player. And and I've been through probably 20 of these so far, and every time it's really – even if we get blown out tonight, Sean, you'll see – um, when he walks out of the building, all these people in your building who will be wearing Kobe jerseys will ride up and give him a standing ovation. It, it, it's like watching, a, you know, a, a, a final rock tour of what it must have been like when, like, Frank Sinatra toured for the last time and said goodbye to everybody. It, it, it's really fun. You'll enjoy it. Uh, if you're a Kobe fan, uh, you'll enjoy the fact that every once in a while he'll still show you uh, – some of the stuff he used to be able to do, and he's been very, very cordial about it. The, the, the guy that comes into buildings and argues calls and yells and screams and berates teammates is gone, and this guy is almost on a on a goodwill tour. So it's um, I don't know if that paints the the picture you were looking for, but it's been really fun. No, it does. It, it really does. And 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 I'll say this: um, I'm eager to uh, participate in in some very small former fashion here uh whether you want to uh criticize him for off the floor issues uh his behavior on the floor or the fact that he's broken your heart over the years um when one looks at 20 years of this and the resume that he's built you tip your cap i mean that's just what you do as a sports fan and i think that you're kidding yourself if you're if you're not in that mindset so um all that makes sense in that frame john well, and the other thing is, you'll—I'm just hoping that he has some of what he bottled up the other night against Minnesota, and he could put it on the court tonight. Uh, he was Sean. He was making shots from like 27 feet. It was fantastic, and uh, and you know those were things he used to do when it was 27, not 37. And I don't know how he's doing it, but it, it, it's sure fun to watch, you know, from the sidelines, and and you know, selfishly for guys like me and you to call. It's a really good time. No doubt about it. John, I'll see you tonight at Smoothie King Center. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day here in New Orleans. I'm sure I'm sorry we don't have tropical weather for you today, but the sun is out at least. I always love coming to New Orleans, and Sean, always love catching up with you. So uh, anytime, and I'll see you at the arena. Very thankful for you today, John Ireland. Thank you very much. Lakers and Pelicans tonight, Smoothie King Center. 845 is what we're hearing for tip-off night. Uh, have a nice meal before you get to the Smoothie King Center and then enjoy, hopefully, a good night of basketball. We'll take a break. We'll wrap things up here on this uh, Thursday in just a moment. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an Auctioner patient, You'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. 
Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. There are some days more enjoyable than others in the Black and Blue Report for yours truly. Today is certainly one of the more enjoyable. I was uh, very, very honored to have Ian Eagle on as a guest today. Certainly the same as goes for John Ireland. Two great conversations. I hope you enjoyed them. And we'll have uh, another great lineup tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. So there's a good chance we're going to talk to NFL Hall of Famer Ricky Jackson tomorrow. Cam Jordan's going to stop by as well. And we'll be visiting with Norris Cole, who will be getting his jersey retired at his high school in the Cleveland area this weekend. So more great stuff tomorrow at the end of the week for the Black and Blue Report. Tonight it's the Pins and the Lakers at Smoothie King Center. A lot of um, broadcast coverage for you on the radio side. On the flagship station here in the New Orleans metro area, that's 99.5 WRNO-FM. We gear it up at 7.30 with another edition of the Alvin Gentry Show. That'll take us until 8 o'clock, and Daniel Salerson will take over with Pelican's warm-up tonight. A bit of an extended version, as we will then ride our way to an 8.45 central time tip-off between the Lakers and the Pelicans. Why so late tonight, you ask? Well, that's because we're a part of the national doubleheader on TNT, and so national television coverage dictates a later start time, but also a bigger audience for the Pelicans as they try to uh, pick up their first win of the month and set the table for a road trip this weekend. So we'll see you on the radio tonight. The game is sold out. We're excited about it, and then we'll see you right back here for what we think will be a very interesting black and blue report on Friday. Thanks again to all of our guests, and thank you for being a part of our day. Hope you have a great rest of your Thursday. Go Pelicans, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.